0: Acts chapter 12, verse 1, New Testament. Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex or harass certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Now, I need to mention a couple things about this passage that we have just read. And um, one is it's, it says it pleased the Jews, okay, and, it, and throughout Acts you have references to the Jews. It's important to recognize nearly everybody in this part of the story is Jewish. Um, but the particular ones he was referring to were the religious leaders of Judaism at the time. This was not um, not just a, a reference to all the Jews, because the Christians were largely Jewish at the time. Um, and then it says, uh, Herod delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers. That word just means squads of four, so 16 soldiers to, to have guard over him. I want to uh, speak this morning on the subject of when God's people pray. What happens when God's people pray? One preacher said there's more than one way to get into prison, and that's true. There are a lot of ways. And um, for. There are even ways, unfortunately, for innocent people to find their way there, or you can find your way there to minister. But Peter found this to be true. He'd broken no law, he'd done nothing wrong, but he found himself in prison where even. And he was under high security, okay? This was not just, uh, you know, minimum security, show up and and uh, do community service and go home. It wasn't that sort of situation for Peter. Peter was guarded, there were, there were 16 soldiers with the responsibility for guarding him. And the as the Roman customs went, they would probably uh, alternate. So they had four watches, so you'd have four per watch. And and two were assigned to be chained to him at all times. When he slept, he was chained to two soldiers. When he slept, he was not getting away. These Roman soldiers, if he escaped, their lives were, in, and as it turned out, their lives were in danger because, um, because of what happened. And... Well, there's more than one way to get into prison. There's also more than one way to get out. And um, so Peter, Peter got out. We're going to look at these circumstances and the lessons we can draw from them. Well, first of all, it, as I read this passage, I see the hand of Herod. It says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. This king Herod, uh, does that name sound familiar? Herod? We see it other places in the Bible, but usually they're different Herods. So the King Herod who um, killed all the infants in Bethlehem uh, when Jesus was born, or around the time of Jesus' birth, he was this King Herod's grandpa. The K- King Herod who had beheaded John the Baptist, that was his uncle, the uncle of this King Herod. The Herod family did not have very long life expectancy, and the reason was they were jealous, they were ruthless. they were out to get anybody they perceived as a threat to their throne, and as a result, um, they, they would wipe out family members, wives, children, they were just very, very ruthless. They weren't well liked, nobody trusted them. You can't trust somebody like that who's always you know suspicious and getting ready to um, you know you just if, if you serve them, you do so knowing that that it could be your head at any time and so. So this King Herod was, was no nicer than the other King Herod's, and he had been appointed king over Judea and Samaria by Caligula. You might remember, that's the Roman emperor who uh, went insane and appointed his horse to the Roman Senate. And um, anyway, there were not a good we think we have it bad in politics now, and we do, but, but there are historical precedents to what we're going through now. But when Herod decided to vex, or to do evil to the church, it was a serious threat. He had the power of the Roman government behind him, the Roman army, the apostles, and many of the believers at this time, like I mentioned, were Jews. They didn't have the protections afforded, for the most part, most of them didn't have the protections afforded to Roman citizens. If you were a Roman citizen, you could appeal to Caesar. You had certain rights of due process, and even though it wasn't necessarily like constitutional protections that we have now, it was still a pretty serious protection. We see later on in the book of Acts when when Paul is, is beaten by the magistrate, he appeals. He says, I'm a Roman citizen. I have rights here. And, and he, he actually did appeal to Caesar. And so you could do that. But, but Peter and James and, and the apostles, they couldn't do that. They weren't Roman citizens. And additionally, uh, Herod was despised by the Jewish religion by the Jewish religious leaders okay they had to make good with him because he was the king over their territory um, and so for them to have some semblance of power they had to they had to have a cordial relationship with him but they despised him and so he was always looking for a way to ingratiate himself to them how do I get the support of these people so that there's not a rebellion against me because he was always scared about that and so um And so, of course, the the Jewish religious leaders didn't accept Christ as the Messiah, and Herod needed their goodwill, so he said, okay, I'll go after the Christians. And that would have the double effect of winning their goodwill, as well as destroying people who undoubtedly were a conviction to him. Remember, his uncle had had put John the Baptist in prison first, because John the Baptist had been preaching, it's not right, Herod, for you to have your brother's wife. And and so he'd thrown him in prison because he didn't want to hear that message. Even though he personally liked John the Baptist, he said, I don't want to hear that message anymore. And so for personal benefit and from an evil heart, Herod decided to use his power to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. He said, I am going to use the power at my disposal to destroy God's people. And in the text we read today, Herod killed James, the apostle, one of those who who had learned from Jesus. He had arrested Peter, and these were two of the apostles who were responsible for giving Jesus' message and his doctrine to the church. Jesus had given them that that, uh, mandate to teach all nations, and and it was their job to pass on what he had taught them. And can you imagine the shockwaves that must have gone through the early church when these two people who were such a core part of their mission, one was dead and one was arrested. I, we're human. We depend on people. We look up to people, and when they leave, there's a hole left in our lives. I remember um, on Pearson Street, there was a, a lady, Grandma Betty, everybody called her, and her house was like the ground or uh, 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 Grand Central of, of Pearson Street, and everybody, her relatives, she had, she had dozens and dozens of grandkids, and, and then there were other people who weren't grandkids but acted like grandkids, and they would come over to her house, and when I knew her, she was, she was hardly mobile. She would, she would just sit in her house, and she couldn't, couldn't do a whole lot, but people would come to her, she'd pray for them. She'd, she'd, uh, she'd feed them, she'd, you know, and um, it seems like every time I was over there, she was doing laundry because she had so many people living with her and whatever. But I remember we went to her funeral when she passed away, and so many people said she was our rock. We don't know what we're going to do now because our, our center, our stability is gone. And, um, and this is what Peter and James were like to the church. They were... They were, the, you know, they, they were a core part of it, and, and these believers are wondering, what do we do without these apostles to instruct and to guide us? So James has been killed by Herod. Peter's in prison and, and under a death sentence, and Herod is on the march against the Christian church. He doesn't plan to stop here. His hand is stretched out to destroy them. What does the church do? What do God's people do when the hand of Herod is stretched out? Now, thankfully, we don't have the hand of Herod stretched out against us. Mayor Mike Duggan is not breathing down our neck to get out of this building and stop proclaiming the gospel, um, even at the state and federal levels. We don't have we don't have that level that level of pressure. Okay, although there oppression does exist, and um. And difficulties do exist. But did not you know Satan's hand is stretched out against you this morning? Satan is trying to find a way to destroy you and to hurt you and to vex you if you're, if you're, uh, if you're following God. There may actually be people who are unwittingly doing the work of the devil and, and are out to vex you and destroy you. How do you respond to that? How do we deal with that? Well, we go like the early church did. We go to the place of help. Verse 5 says, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. Not good. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Now Herod the king is dead. He no longer has the power to exercise his power against the church. The Roman kingdom has long fallen and no longer has the authority to imprison apostles. But the spirit of Herod lives on in the attacks that are made against the church and against God's people. And sometimes, like I said, these attacks come from Satan in an effort to dilute and destroy the influence of God's people. Sometimes they come from people like Herod who are so under the influence of Satan that maybe for personal gain or out of a bitter heart they seek to destroy those who know their sins are forgiven, their hearts are clean and Christ is all in all to them. I don't know why people do this. I don't know why there's such a compulsion sometimes to try to try to get people to do. I've known I've I've known people who it just seemed like the proverbs talks about scorners and mockers who just try to try to get, destroy people. And um and 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 get them going in a different direction and it's like i understand if you're not you know if you're not comfortable following christ and if you're not if you're not saved and and that's a choice that god has given each one of us the ability to make whether to follow christ or not to follow christ but this idea that if i'm not going to follow christ i'm going to try to drag someone down and destroy them with me i don't understand that but but sometimes but Whatever the fact, sometimes we have the hand of Herod stretched out against us. And although Herod is dead, followers of Jesus Christ still find themselves under attack, seemingly without hope of deliverance. And where can we go to help in those times? And thank God we can go to the same place the early Christians went. Where did they go? They hit their knees. They started to pray. Just like we prayed earlier, although probably a bit more fervently maybe than, than we are used to praying, they started crying out to God to um to do something here. They realized that Herod's throne wasn't the only throne in the universe. They couldn't appeal to Caesar. They weren't Roman citizens. But they could appeal to the Lord Jesus Christ who reigns in majesty above. And we can too. We sang this morning, I must tell Jesus. We can tell Jesus. We can appeal to Him. And they could pray. Peter was in prison. He was the one whose preaching had been instrumental in many of their salvations. On the day of Pentecost, he preached 3,000 came into the kingdom. And and uh. So many of these who were praying probably had been led to Christ by Peter. But even though Peter was in prison, that didn't mean they couldn't pray. That didn't, mean, that didn't even mean Peter couldn't pray. And when we find ourselves under attack, we can respond in a lot of different ways. We can retreat. We can cease to teach and preach Jesus Christ, and we can give up. Or we can hide. We can try to conserve our faith without boldly proclaiming it and just kind of Go, under, go undercover, undercover Christians. Nobody knows. Or we can try to fight back with fleshly weapons of words and physical force. And that's not the way of Christ, to, um, to try to fight our battles like that and, and try to, you know, people try to, try to hurt us and we try to hurt them back. Christ said, love your enemies. Do good to them that, hurt, that despitefully, or pray for them that despitefully use you. Or we can do what the early church did. We can find the place of help, and we can go to prayer. And I want to look at their prayer this morning, or maybe not. I just realized that we're at uh, we're at noon, and um, going over. But um, and I won't won't go very far over. Uh, how did they pray? How how did the early church pray? And this says prayer was made without ceasing. That means fervently. Uh, or that word is translated elsewhere actually fervently or earnestly and both words are probably descriptive without ceasing or fervently have you ever cared about something so much it just, it just seemed to um, you could hardly think of anything else? Well that's how these early Christians were when Peter was in prison. That was the focal point of their lives. That was what they cared about. And when we care about something so deeply, that's when we cry out to God from our hearts. Maybe if I remember, you know, if people close to you have passed away or, um, or, or you're dealing with a, a difficulty like that, you just seem sometimes, like, or, or a long-term illness, it seems like sometimes you're just always crying out to God from your heart. And that's what this was. They were crying out to God from their heart. It wasn't just, uh, uh, well, well, we'll do our part, we'll show up. We told Peter we'd pray for him, so we'll show up And as we bless the food and help Peter, too, and then eat our food. No, they, were, they cared about it. They continued in fervent prayer for Peter. They took it seriously. And we need to be earnest in our prayer that it not be, and, and careful that it not become a routine part of our lives but, uh, in, in the sense that it's just a, a rote thing we do without thinking about it, but that we earnestly and intensely seek God's will. We talk about praying for people, and we need to, and I do sometimes that they would be so under conviction for their sin that they can't eat, that they can't sleep until they get right with God, um, and, and that's important. But I believe God wants to burden His people. How can we expect sinners to carry a level of concern for their souls that we don't have for their souls? And, and these people of God were praying, and they cared deeply about this subject. They were praying earnestly, where did they pray? You know, they didn't have churches like we do then. They, they met in houses and they were at a house and they, um, in verse 12, when Peter was released from prison, he went to the house of Mary, and the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered together praying. We gathered together for a lot of important reasons, but did you know there's no more important reason for the people of God to gather together than to pray? In fact, Jesus said, My house shall be called the house of prayer. United prayer from God's people unleashes God's power in a way that little else does. So how did they pray? Where did they pray? when did they pray? It was at night. they were praying at night when Peter got out. they were still praying at night and sometimes our burdens are so heavy. We need to go to God not just when it's convenient, but we need to go to God in the night hours sometimes or during meal times when we'd rather be eating or during times when we when humanly we'd rather be with people and take that time to seek God so that God, That's how God works. He said, you ask and I will answer. Um, And what did they pray? It's very interesting, and I'm not going through everything I have because I wanted to let you out in one minute. Um, But if we go back to a prayer in Scripture when Peter was first arrested in the book of Acts, because Peter had a record now. He'd been preaching Jesus earlier and brought in before the Sanhedrin, and now he gets brought back in, but this time in a Roman prison. But when Peter uh, had then appeared before the Sanhedrin and they told him to stop teaching and preaching Jesus Christ, he said, we must obey God rather than men. And this is what they prayed. They said, now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. They didn't ask for protection from the persecution. They didn't ask for for strength to be able to withstand the Roman government and to overthrow them. They asked for boldness to proclaim Jesus Christ in the face of the persecution. They asked that God would add miracles to His Word so that people would believe the Word they were proclaiming. In the early church, you look through the book of Acts, and they're praying all the time for boldness. And they don't pray very much for protection or for safety or any of those things. They're praying for boldness because they want the Word of God to go forth. And these earnest prayers from holy people, prayed in the house, prayed at night, got through to heaven. God answered prayer. And I'm sure they were praying for Peter to be released as well. So um, I'm going to read later on in this chapter. When Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, heavy security, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Peter, chained between two soldiers, sleeping, at peace, even though the next day is his execution, and he knew it, and he's sleeping, he's at peace. Jesus already told him the plan for Peter was going to be a martyr, and Jesus had already told him that he was going to die for Christ, and Peter was ready to do that, but. Jesus told him, when you get old, you're going to live to old age and then you're going to give your life for me. And so Peter was at peace. I don't know if he remember. I'm sure he remembered that right then. Now, God's people who were praying, they were realists. They, they knew Peter was in prison. They knew he was scheduled for execution. They knew he was under heavy guard, sentenced to die. And they probably expected God, if he saw fit to save Peter's life, to do it by changing Herod's mind or another means so Peter gets out of prison the angel lets him go the doors open in front of him he comes and he comes to the gate and does whatever they did to get in I don't know if they knocked or yelled or whatever and Rhoda comes to the door a young it says a maiden a young lady she comes to, to the door and she sees Peter she is so excited she rushes back in tells this crowd that's praying for Peter he's at the door and, um, and they said, you're crazy. They're praying for Peter right then. And yet, they said, you're crazy. And you know what this tells me? Sometimes we think faith. Sometimes we think faith is telling God what should be done and how it should be done. And, and saying, God, I have this cough and whatever. I don't believe I'm sick. I don't believe I'm going. I don't believe. But these, they recognize the reality of the situation. They recognize Peter was in prison and under heavy guard. And they didn't have necessarily a whole lot of faith to believe Peter was out right then. But they had faith to believe that God was sovereign and that God could work miracles in that situation, and God did. And our faith is not in a particular outcome. Our faith is in God. Our faith is in the ability of God to do what is right and good in that situation, even if it's not what we think would be the best outcome. James, James was still dead. James was still martyred. James was home to heaven to his reward. And James's course was finished. But... The church still needed Peter, and God answered their prayers and brought Peter out of prison. Um, what was the effect of him getting out of prison? The church was encouraged. The church had this leader they needed. The church realized God's sovereignty over their affairs. And one other is Herod realized who was God. Herod had one more opportunity to recognize who God was, and I'm sorry to say he didn't take it. If you read the rest of that chapter, it's Herod sets himself up, up as God, yeah and, 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 and is, yes, and and dies. And, um, you would think he knew that he had put Peter under heavy guard, he knew what the conditions were, and yet he finds out and he still doesn't put his faith in the God of the universe who went to great lengths even to persuade Herod of his existence. The early church got some key things right, and two of them were the importance of prayer, they prioritized prayer, and the interconnectedness of believers. They prayed for Peter, And they prayed earnestly for peter um they prioritized prayer like jesus they found a specific place they met for as long as necessary and they prayed and then they shared others burdens and that's what god calls us to do when the hand of herod is raised against us or when it's raised against people in our congregation we see people struggling and people hurting and people who just seem like they can't get out from under that load that's when God is calling us to united prayer so that they can be set free, so that they can, they can get out. And it might not be an angel coming into a prison and unlocking a door. It might be an angel coming and healing somebody. It might be an angel coming and, um, and, and giving somebody maybe a way to make an income when it didn't seem like there was any way, or, or whatever it might be. And, and there are, you know, certainly we can, we can work towards these things, and we should. But we also need to be faithful in united prayer for each other and God will work mightily for us as He did in the early church. We're going to pray right now, and um, but let's through this week let's let's give ourselves to prayer because God works when His people pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, and thank you for your word that encourages us. I pray you'll encourage your people today as they go forth. Lord, help us this week to give ourselves to seeking you in prayer uh, for these situations that just seem. Uh, seem unconquerable, otherwise. And Lord, we we go today, trusting you and believing you, in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.